Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And uh, if you don't have a Bible and uh, you're using one of the Bibles on the pew in front of you, it should be around page 1166, 1167, somewhere in there. Just make sure you've got a copy of God's Word. If it's a digital one or a hard copy, we just want to have you to have your eyes on Scripture and... Uh, that goes for those of you online with us as well. Thanks for joining us this morning. We appreciate you taking the time to join us in that way as well. And this is the last message in our series through Philippians. So this has been a great series to walk through together as we start at the beginning and walked all the way through uh, the letter from Paul to the Church of Philippi. And I want to encourage you to continue reflecting and refreshing yourself on this. And um, also, if you took on that Philippians challenge, uh, I would really like to hear from you and hear what you noticed or what stood out to you that maybe you hadn't noticed before about yourself or from the text Um, Those of you who, even from the beginning of this series, have read through Philippians at least once every week uh, to really uh, process through how has that shifted even my perspective about life, about God, about Christ, about joy and hope. What what has that done? Um, I would love to hear some testimonies of that. So uh, call me or email me. And if you don't have my contact info, come down here after service and uh, uh, maybe even just share there uh, if that's you. I, w- I would just love to hear how reading faithfully, consistently God's Word has impacted you. Um, and as we finish this up, I just want to remind you what our series idea has been in this. And the series idea has simply been uh, that fullness of joy is found in glorifying God. That at the end of the day, when we ask the question, how am I to experience or find a joy that lasts in this life? You will only find that if you strive and set out to glorify the creator of the world. And at the end of the day, that's the main thing I want you to walk away from this series with. In understanding that lasting joy can only be found when what I care about most is what He has called me to. And that goes not just for us as individuals, church. It goes for us corporately. And I'm very convinced that if our intention and our focus as a group of gathered people who believe in the name of Jesus to be saved, if our focus is on that which God has called us to in Christ, and we are faithful to that, Everything else will, will take care of itself. And it's not that we're unfaithful in these other areas, but it's that if we miss that number one thing, everything else will fall apart. 
And I'm here to tell you that that one thing is true regardless of where we have to gather, regardless of what time of the week it is, regardless of who we're with or where we're at. That one thing is the truth that there is salvation in Christ. And because of that, we have a motivation to live and serve the God who has given us life that we don't deserve. And so as we reflect upon this, I want to read this last chapter of Philippians in its entirety. And the simple idea of today, as we close this out, is rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice in Jesus. So I'm going to start at verse 2 of Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read all the way to the end. And then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you uh, just three specific items from Philippians 4 that summarize this challenge to rejoice in every season, to rejoice in Jesus. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion... Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Father, thank you for this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi. Thank you for the gift to have it in our hands. And as we reflect on that, God, we pray that you would bring about the ability for every tribe and tongue and language to receive the word of God. Pray for diligence and blessing upon those who work in those very fields to communicate the truth of the gospel and the life-giving message and hope of Jesus to places all around the world that have not heard. Lord, I pray that today you would root us into that which will bring us lasting joy, which is found only in Jesus' name. That you would make us more like Him. And that the things that are important to you would become more and more important to us. And that we would set aside those things that weigh us down from running with endurance the race set before us. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Now, at the very beginning of this section in chapter 4, he begins by uh, really focusing in on an uh, inter-community conflict that has ensued. And his pursuit there focuses back on unity, that uh, these two individuals, Euodia and Syntyche, which we don't know much about, that his uh, challenge was that they would agree in the Lord. And... This may seem out of place, and yet in the scope of Paul's letter, he is addressing this and then taking the church into this focus by which they can be unified regardless of what season they're in. And then from there it moves into probably one of the most quoted passages in the book of Philippians, which there's several that you probably picked up on and have heard before. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. A peace that surpasses all understanding. And then that all too common statement, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I caution you any time to read through this and simply focus in only on those passages that you've heard so many times or that stick out. While those can be helpful and encouraging, if we miss the whole, we miss the message. And if we have only read chapter 4, which is easy to do because it's easy, I I like this. this. This gives me some hope. But if that's all we read and we miss the rest, then we have missed the greater motivation. You see, it's one thing to say, well, rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. It's another to say, lasting joy is found only when I'm consistently, faithfully doing that which God has called me to do. Very different. It's one thing to say, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. It's another thing to say, I've learned to be content in all things. Whether I have plenty or whether I am hungry and have little. It's a very different story. So I want to challenge you, make sure we're reading the whole of this. But I want to start in really verse 4. And we look here and we see this simple statement... In summary, fullness of joy, 
I want you to grab this, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Fullness of joy is found when my greatest joy is Jesus. Fullness of joy is found when my greatest joy is Christ. Verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Everyone say always. Now, this is hard. I don't like you. But when I read that, I go, that's hard. This is not an easy thing to do. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when I feel like it. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord on Sunday. It says rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord at all times. How do I do that? You root your joy into that which lasts. So often, church, we put conditions on joy. We make statements that blur the line between joy and happiness. And this is so common. The two are not the same. Here's, here might be a statement we hear. I'll be joyful when... I'll be satisfied when... Right? We, we, can, we can make these statements. I hear these statements. I say these statements. Okay? I don't want to somehow exempt myself from this struggle. Then as soon as that void is filled, what happens? It becomes something else, right? It becomes another thing. Some of you, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. Some of you got things for Christmas and are already thinking about the next thing. Right? I mean, it's easy to do. If we are dependent on earthly things to give us joy, we will never be satisfied. Fullness of joy is found when the greatest joy I have is Jesus. It goes on from there. It says, let your reasonableness or gentleness is another word that that can be translated to be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you would say you would love to just easily snap your fingers and experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding every day? Hardly any of you. I don't believe it. Come on. I mean, honestly, the peace of God. I don't know about you, but in this, the last two years, this is the number one thing I believe people are searching for. I don't have any peace. I don't have any settledness. Every, I'm anxious about everything. It's the number one conversation that I've had with people this, in the last two years. In fact, it was interesting, there was a shift. To go back to 2019, when I would ask people how they were doing, the most common response I would get was, oh, I'm busy. I'm always busy. Then 2020 happened, and the number one response I would get was, 
I'm surviving. What an interesting shift. Especially when Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he says, Be anxious about some things. No. Okay, this is one of those instances. When me or anyone else says something like that, you're just to be like, No! That's not what it says. Be anxious about nothing. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. That's hard. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's hard. But here's why it's hard, church. It's hard because Jesus is not our greatest joy. It's hard because it's really easy to make Christ the priority when we're here. And then to completely forget about it the rest of the week. It's hard because the things that are most pressing to us have nothing to do with the gospel most days. If we want to experience lasting joy, then our greatest joy has to be Jesus. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate that eternal joy was born that day. The command to rejoice in the Lord, to be a person of reasonableness or gentleness, to not be anxious about anything, to pray with thanksgiving, the promise that comes from those exhortations is peace. If you go seeking the peace of God without first seeking to live the rest, you will wander for a long time. Fullness of joy is found when my greatest joy is Jesus. Now the second portion of this, really in verses 8 and 9, is that fullness of joy is found when my mind is set on Jesus. This list is humbling. And in fact, a great practical challenge for you is when you are tempted to have really negative thoughts or emotions or reactions, you should just have this written down or posted somewhere where you can see it. I wish that there was a way I could just, you know, you could set up a notification that every time, like, my watch will read my heart rate, and every time my heart rate gets a little higher, it pops up and reads this to me. Because this is what it says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Really easy way to figure out if you should be dwelling on something that you're dwelling on or not is to ask the question, is what I'm dwelling on true? Is what I'm dwelling on honorable? Is what I'm dwelling on that which is just and pure? Is whatever I'm dwelling on lovely according to God's word? Is it commendable before God? Is there anything that's excellent around me that I can give praise to? Is there anything worthy of praise? 
And I guarantee you, you will find that most of the things you dwell on are pointless. They're pointless. And the things you dwell on most become the things that make you the most anxious. And the things that make you the most anxious are the things that squelch your joy the most. And I'm here to tell you in the last two years, I have seen such volatility and hostility from people I never would have imagined. Because their joy is found in something of this world. And here's the thing. Finding my joy in anything of this world will cause me great heartache and anxiety and pain in the long run. Fullness of joy is found when my greatest joy is Jesus. Fullness of joy is found when my mind is set on the things of Jesus. And in the end of verse 9, look at this. Look at this promise. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, modeling what Paul has modeled for the church of Philippi, and what? The God of peace will be with you. What a promise. You know, God's not anxious. God is not somehow trying to figure out how to make all this work. God is not looking upon the United States of America and going, well, this was surprising. He knows. He knew. And guess what? His plan is unhindered. His purposes remain the same. The gospel is still transforming lives. Why? Because God is not affected by the things that cause us anxiety. He has all things in control. In verses 10 through 20, we see Paul model this kind of peace that surpasses understanding. And brings about our third and final point in this. And that's fullness of joy is found when my strength is found in Jesus. should catch a theme here. Now, Paul identifies, and specifically in verse 11. And he's talking, he's making sure they're clear. I'm not saying that I have a bunch of needs. And the reason he's clarifying that is made clear because the church at Philippi has been so extremely generous from the very beginning of his ministry. When no one else would support Paul's physical needs, the church at Philippi did. And they sent Epaphroditus, which we saw earlier in the letter to Philippi. The guy who got sick almost died because he was seeking to meet Paul's physical needs. And Paul revisits that again in chapter 4 where he says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. But in verse 11 he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Everyone say content. And he says, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What is it? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When my strength is rooted in Christ, I will have joy in every season. 
Now, another point of clarification. This does not mean you will be happy in every season. This does not mean you have to be the bubbly person who skips around when things are terrible. Woohoo! I'm so happy! It's not what we're talking about. Jesus wept. Jesus mourned. But what it does mean is that when our strength is found in Him, nothing can take that away from you. Jesus has already died and rose again. Guess what? Scripture says He will never leave you or forsake you. Here's the unfortunate nature of the days we live in. Marketing and advertising is all about convincing you that you need something else in order to be content. And they're really, really good at it. And the more you consume that, the more discontent you will become. The more you are concerned about that which you do not have, the more you will find your joy in those things rather than in the one who has been present from the beginning of time. And the minute the modern world sells you that you need this to be content, (laughs) they will change it up. Well, guess what? Now you need the new one. And whether you realize it or not, you're living in a world that is convincing you That if you do not have everything of this world, you will never be happy. Fullness of joy is found when my strength is found in Jesus. Our culture culture thrives on discontentment. And that's, family, I wish I could say that was just outside the church. But that's true in the walls of the church too. How often do we make our Sunday morning gathering about us? I'm not content. Are we worshiping you or are we worshiping Jesus? We thrive on discontentment. And what I mean by that is when there's someone who's discontent and someone figures out how to meet that need, all of a sudden the person who met that need is really popular. Jesus came and met the greatest need we have ever been given. But then when he met that need, he said, by the way, if you choose to follow me, expect suffering. Expect loss. Expect hardship. And that doesn't sell. But I'm going to tell you what it does do. It gives you a security you will find nowhere else. And this is where Paul can honestly say, I figured it out. Jesus is enough. And in that I'm going to be content. So in application of these things, church, as we think about all of this, there's one question I want to ask you and I want you to just wrestle with this. Is Christ enough? Is Jesus enough? It's kind of funny. Um, 
I heard someone, I, I can't remember if I read an article, if I heard, heard someone talking about this, and it said, in the church, generally um, speaking, lying is frowned upon, which is a good thing. Unless we're singing a worship song. You see, we'll sing songs on Sunday morning. We'll raise our hands and we'll say, Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Christ is enough. Let's sing, sing, I surrender all. And you walk out of here, you haven't surrendered anything. But man, I sang about it, so I feel good. It's a really dangerous place to be in. Is Christ enough? Is he really enough for you? In the season that we're in celebrating the birth of Jesus, is the gift of Christ enough to satisfy you? And I'm going to tell you, when I wrote this down this week, I sat there and I wept because I realized most days, he's not. Most days, it's a lot easier to put my nose to the ground and strive for something of this world. And there's a new <clears throat> worship song that a group called Vertical Worship released. And uh, it's called, How Good Is He? And the last line of that song wrecks me every time. And it says this, it simply says, How good is He if He never did another thing for me? He's all I'll ever need. How good is He? And the reason it wrecks me is by the recognition that I have this expectation that God is going to do what I want Him to do. And yet he's already done the only thing I'll ever need in this life. In giving me salvation in the name of Jesus. Is Christ enough? Now there's a hope in this. Because every day is an opportunity for us to fall more and more in love with our Savior. And if you have breath in your lungs right now. And as I'm looking out, I believe every one of you does. Then you have the opportunity to shift your mindset. And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your struggles have been in the past. It doesn't matter what you're enduring in the present. The love of God offered in Christ is available to you. And you have the opportunity to choose to follow Jesus today. The hard part about that is that if you walk out of here and you choose not to follow Jesus, it's not that, well, I'm thinking about it. You've said no. Every day is an opportunity for you to say, I'm going to follow Christ because he's all I'll ever need. So wherever you are today, you need to leave here knowing that joy is not out of our reach. But what you choose to live for will dictate whether or not you find it. Rejoice in Jesus and find your joy in Him. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to sing joy to the world. Joy, unspeakable joy, because He is where... Any lasting joy is going to be found.
Let's stand and I'm going to pray for us. Father, I ask that you would renew our joy in a way that it cannot be squelched. Father, I confess that so easily I allow the things of this world to control my actions and my words and burden me and lose sight of the joy that's been given me in Christ. And so today I pray that you would help each person here to recognize that joy is within our grasp if we would just simply surrender and choose to follow Christ. It's not easy, but it's there. Unite us together in this way. Lord, draw us to Yourself that we would be a people united for Your purposes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.